It is, it's me, it's TRG, the Ramblin' Gambler, your never-so-humble host in a constant pursuit of excellence of execution in all aspects of casino gambling. This is episode 61 of our Casino Combat Podcast, and we will get started right after these words from my lawyer. Everyone listening, Buffy Summers and the entire Scooby gang, I'm going to talk about gambling today. Don't gamble with money you need to pay bills or money you cannot afford to not have in your life. Nothing I've done in the past means that any of us can accomplish those things again. If you feel you have a problem controlling yourself while doing what I describe in this podcast, don't gamble. These techniques require self-control and discipline. If you have a problem with self-control and discipline, contact a problem gambling hotline or send an email to help at casinocombat.com and we will put you in touch with someone who can help. I will do my personal best to tell you only facts in this podcast. People I know or have met in real life are given call signs to protect their anonymity and because it's fun. Sometimes things happen that don't change my results, and I don't describe those things to avoid wasting anyone's time. All right, all right, all right. A little uh, a little different take on our disclaimer this week, just to mix things up a little bit. If this is your first time or your next time, thanks for sharing some of your time with me. I appreciate it. I hope you find value in what I'm going to share with you today. I have a fairly straightforward episode for you this week. While I was in Atlantic City, I met the Legends of Lehigh, a trio of bright and focused young men. I was going back over my notes from that encounter uh, over the week this week, and I realized there are a couple of additional questions that they ask that all of you might want to hear the answers to. So we are going to do a questions with my son's asked segment and cover those items. In that segment, I am also going to cover a question I received recently about my ebook, Casino Combat Slot Tactics. After that, we will do a travel segment and discuss the results of the gambling I did last week, and then we will finish up, as always, in the virtual VIP lounge with a story and some sips. Often I use the virtual VIP lounge to tell stories that are funny or amusing, things that have happened to me. Stories I've often shared with friends in VIP lounges across North America. Today's story is a bit different. If you sometimes skip the virtual VIP lounge because that segment isn't teachy, that's a word I don't know, if it isn't teachy enough for you, you might want to stick around this week. Our story this week is about the very first card counting trip I ever took to Las Vegas. I intend to share the details in an amusing way, at least I hope they'll be amusing, but I think it will also reveal why I, reveal why I eventually abandoned card counting in favor of what I do now. It will also provide what I think is some valuable contrast to other Las Vegas trips that I've described. So there we go, just three segments this week, questions my sons ask, travel, and virtual VIP lounge. And I will get that started in just a minute, but first, I want to talk about one interesting item from other members of the Casino Combat Galaxy. Inner Circle member, East Coast Emissary, fourth to the ring, brought an article to my attention from a website called GBB News. The website is produced by the publishers of the Global Gaming Business Magazine. It's intended for people who work in the casino industry, not for players. So I wasn't aware of it until ECE brought it to my attention. The article he directed me to, along with a couple of companion articles, was discussing the use of side bets in blackjack games to increase the amount of money the house wins on blackjack. The focus was on doing this to maintain games with lower table minimums if players are resisting playing 6-5 to five blackjack tables. And if you've not heard my previous comments on this subject, and maybe I should say rants on this topic, I despise 6-5 to five blackjack tables and do my best to avoid them at all costs all the time in all ways. The idea in the, in, in the articles was that houses could maintain, casinos could maintain 3-2 to two tables 
and increase the profits by taking additional revenue from the side bets. In some cases, requiring the side bet be played to make sure the desired profit occurred for the house. And I actually saw that rules configuration at a MyChoice property a few months ago and refused to play that table with those rules. And it went something like this. The dealer took my buy-in money and handed me a combination of red and green chips. I handed back the red chips, those are the $5 chips, and said, green please. I won't be making any $15 bets even though this is a $15 minimum table. The dealer's reply was, at this table you have to make the Trilux side bet, you will need the red chips. I said, oh, oh, okay, I get it, I understand. Here, here's my green chips too, color me up. I was going to leave the table with black, chat, black chips and find another table. I wasn't going to be forced to make a bet with poor odds that I didn't intend to make when I sat down. That was this rule being implemented. I just didn't realize it. Or this approach, maybe rule isn't the right word. Rule change to make this approach possible. One of the first things that jumped out at me in these articles was a detailed analysis of how adding side bets to a blackjack game increased the house's theoretical win per table per hour and by what percentage. I've seen this idea of the house calculating a theoretical win for a specific player to determine comps before, so it made sense that they evaluate rules changes or additions the same way. But what I wanted to comment on here is that they are calculating a theoretical number for a theoretical player or set of players. They're not worrying about the actual numbers for us as specific individual players. As individuals, we can be disciplined and win, and that doesn't impact the theoretical calculations in any way. They don't care if we win individually, because the math tells them what they can expect to win from a random group of gamblers. Another item mentioned was how the dealers should be trained to encourage players to play the side bet. Things like giving players small denomination chips at the buy-in to encourage them to play the side bets. And to always make sure payouts included some small denomination chips to keep players playing the side bet. Since there's only one side bet I ever consider making, I'm constantly telling dealers that I don't need any red chips when I buy in. And now I understand why. They've been trained to hand out red chips to encourage side bet play. That makes sense. Another technique suggested for casinos to encourage wagers on side bets is to allow players to count money wagered on the side bet toward the table minimum bet. And let me illustrate that for you quickly. Suppose the minimum bet at a table is $15. Traditionally, that has meant your main bet had to be $15 or more, and then you would or could wager additional money on the side bets. Under this rule variation that, that they're talking about, the house would let you bet $5 on the main bet and $5 on two different side bets for a total of $15 and satisfy the table minimum. That makes sense if you think about it. From the house's point of view, that makes a lot of sense. The $15 on just betting the $15 to make the $15 minimum is a very low house advantage risk. If they let you spread that $15 across three bets, their, their advantage has gone way, 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 way up. And honestly, I've seen this all over the place this past year, and I analyzed it all wrong. I thought that since table minimums were higher due to a lack of inventory, which is to say a lack of available seating because of spacing everyone out, the casinos were changing the rules to allow customers to satisfy the higher table minimums. Yes, it's a $25 minimum table, ma'am, I'm sorry, but you can do that with a $15 main bet and two, $15, and two $5 side bets if you would like. I should have known to look for an advantage for the house in what seemed like generosity. I just missed that one. 
So what's the bottom line on all this? What's the casino combat takeaway from this? Not surprisingly, we can look at one of the core concepts, one of the foundational ideas essential to being good at the game of casino gambling, and that is this. Learn to play a game with a minimum house advantage. That game in almost every casino is blackjack, as long as that blackjack table pays 3 to 2 when you receive an ace and a 10 value card as your first two cards. The house is adding side bets and encouraging players to make them because betting on blackjack and a side bet increases the house's advantage. The more bets a player makes, the bigger the house advantage becomes, which is why we're seeing tables with now two and sometimes three side bets. We as casino gamblers, we as people doing casino combat, want to try to beat a game where the house's advantage is as small as possible, while earning a decent number of reward system points at the same time. Bottom line, we want to avoid making side bets in almost all cases unless we are counting cards to determine when those bets are to our advantage. If we are going to make side bets, we should do so only after researching to determine how much additional risk we are taking. These articles for casino management, not players, inform us as players to avoid increasing the house advantage by avoiding side bets. ECE. Thanks so much for bringing that to my attention so I could bring it to the squad's attention. I've said many times that one of the things I thought this podcast might accomplish was creating a community of people who made each other better at the game of casino gambling. We are just past the one-year anniversary of this podcast actually being accepted by various distributors. Each week, I get notes from people that I consider new friends, new allies, telling me about their experiences, things they read, things they've noticed. It's very humbling and amazing to get information not only from the opposite side of North America, but the other side of the globe. Our podcast has listeners in 48 of the 50 United States and 7 of Canada's 10 provinces. People have listened from 37 other countries around the globe. All of you, wherever you are, wherever you listen from, you are welcome to email me or message me from the CasinoCombat.com website to tell me about yourself and your experience with the podcast. I'm always interested in hearing from listeners, hearing their gambling experiences, and I'd be particularly interested in hearing from those of you outside of North America. For instance, I'd love to know how someone in Ukraine or Croatia found our podcast and decided to listen. In addition, new feature uh, from my distributors, if you would like to be part of the podcast of a podcast episode in a small way, you are welcome to go to anchor.fm slash casino combat and make sure you spell combat with a K. You know that. That's how we do things. And click on the message button. As long as your device has a microphone, you get the opportunity to record a short audio message and send it to me. And if you like, to everyone who listens. And I'll include it in a future episode. So that's what's been happening in the Casino Combat Galaxy this week. Let's get things started with a questions my son's asked segment. What? What? My son's asked questions about gambling, listeners ask questions about gambling, and sometimes people I meet ask questions about gambling. Last episode, I told you about Mrs. TRG and myself getting to play some blackjack with the Legends of Lehigh. I was looking over my notes on that experience, prepping for this episode, and I realized there were a couple of additional questions from them that I should probably discuss with all of you. We met the Legends uh, the Legends of Lehigh at the Borgata, an MGM property in Atlantic City, and we were talking for a while. The Legends were getting a sense of what I do and how I do it, the whole living a casino lifestyle on the cheap thing, and one of the legend asked me how much money I gambled with and in what amounts to accomplish what I was describing. 
And I pointed to a stack of, of green $25 chips worth a few hundred dollars. And I said, you, you've seen it all, guys. It just this right here. Admittedly, I do it over and over again, but, but this is it. I rarely make wagers any larger than what you've seen me do here with you today. This isn't different because I'm with my wife. This is, this is us. This is what we do. I said to them, it's easy to live a casino lifestyle if you gamble hundreds of dollars at a time and lose thousands of dollars a day. That's not hard. Anybody can do that. It's not special. It's not an accomplishment. It's certainly not something I would do a podcast about. I'd feel pretty damn foolish coming on here every week and telling you how great I am that I managed to get a free hotel room because I lost thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars last week. Big deal. What's that? That's not cool. That's not to me. Look, if you've got it and that's you, do it and send me an email to tell me about it. I'd love to hear that. But but I don't perceive that as a really neat thing to do. So that's 100% true, folks. Go into almost any casino, gamble hundreds at a time, lose several thousand. You will quickly start receiving offers to encourage you to do that again whenever you would like. And they will probably throw in a toaster or a blender. It isn't hard. Anybody can do it. But do it with smaller bets and make a profit at the end of most months while pulling in decent comps? That's a little more more rare. Not as many people doing that. There are some. I met them from time to time. People I just kind of click with because they get it. They get it because they do it and they figured it out too. Now don't get me wrong. There's a place for higher stakes gambling within a casino combat framework. And in this context, I mean stakes that are higher than whatever's normal for you. If your normal wager is $10, higher stakes is $25. If your normal wager is $100, higher stakes is $500. You get the idea. From a casino combat point of view, higher stakes gambling makes sense when you are increasing your wager level as part of TRG Wagering System 3, the Meta Martingale, and you've scaled your bankroll accordingly. Or if you've been winning and you decide to put some of those winnings at risk in an effort to increase your profits. In a casino combat framework, that makes sense. I have not been doing some of those things to this point in the podcast because I wanted to demonstrate what could be accomplished with fairly modest wagers. I wanted to show people like the legends that with a relatively modest amount of money you can take this journey too which brings me to the other very perceptive question that the legends asked me which was simply why why do i do this thing i do not the podcast the approach to gambling i'm going to give you some backstory on how i ended up with this approach later in the virtual vip lounge but my answer to them was this because I like living this way, but can't afford to live this way as much as I would like to without being good at both gambling and using comps. I recall on one of my first trips to Las Vegas, back when the blackjack tables had $2 minimum, and that's the amount I was betting, I was talking with a person playing green $25 chips, which is a fortune to someone buying in for $20, which is 10 $2 bets, He told me that the casinos gave him a room and paid for his meals anytime he was in town. And that sounded amazing. The idea that he got to live in the casino for free sounded like a tremendous thing to experience. I honestly didn't think at that time that I would be ever able to play at that level. But what I told the legends of Lehigh is true. I like living in casinos. I don't understand why you wouldn't. I like living in nice rooms. If you've checked out the at Gambler Ramblin uh, on Instagram, which is, that's me, that's us. I should say us. (laughs) The guys, uh, T-Rex and Billy with the great last name do a lot of that work. But if, you, if you've been on that Instagram, I've shown you a variety of rooms that range from very nice to amazing. Mrs. TRG and myself, we like hanging out in fun bars and eating in different restaurants. Mrs. TRG loves pools and beaches. We both love going to shows. Casinos offer all of those things in a variety of different ways all in one building. 
in many cases with another set of those amazing things right next door. Take out the free things the casino gives us because we gamble, and we would probably live in those spaces a couple of times a year and be comfortable with paying for everything. Adding in the gambling lets us spend roughly 25% of every month doing something we really enjoy at an annualized price we can afford. Based on the first month of this podcast alone, that price is they pay us, which you've got to admit is a very, very affordable price. Being honest, I've shown you months where we couldn't afford not to stay in this game. We took that money and we spent that money. So, legends, if you're listening, those are the longer answers to more of your questions. Guys, I loved meeting you. If you do actually hear this, send me an email. Let me know how your journey is going. I'm very interested. Now for something completely different. (laughs) Last week, I received an email with a question about slot machine selection when using TRG slot strategy El Numero Dos. I'll get to the question in a second, but let me catch up any new listeners first. You should not be able to consistently profit playing slot machines. That should not be a thing. Two or three years ago, if you have told had told me that was a thing, I'd have very carefully explained the math to you if you were willing to listen and shown you that you can't possibly consistently win money playing slot machines. I'd even have told you how to go about using free slot play that casinos give away to be sure you want at least some money from the free slot play. That's what I would have done. I have no doubt about it. I remember those conversations. And then I was playing a machine with some free slot play that I was given. And I was actually reading the rules on the machine, something I'd never bothered to do before. And I came up with a ridiculous idea that I thought actually might work. So after that, if I won a decent amount of money playing blackjack, I would gamble a small portion of it back into a slot machine to gamble for education, to see if my goofy theory could possibly be right. I mean, I knew it couldn't. But what's the harm in taking a a percentage of profits and and trying it out, seeing if I could learn something? And it seemed to work, which doesn't make any sense. So I explained it to Mrs. TRG, and it seemed to work for her. So eventually I started writing down the results, and after a few months, I was convinced it was working, at least based on that small amount of data at the time. I remember telling Gabriel that I really thought maybe I'd figured something out. Eventually, pandemic happened, lockdown happened, podcast happened, and I reached a point where the money I was making each month with this crazy slot idea, it meant I needed to share that process with the podcast listeners. So I wrote this this great big long ebook, which was about twice as long as a normal podcast script. I mean, minus the unscripted parts where I just go off on tangents. I just didn't think then, and I still don't think now, that two hours of me telling you about slot machine play and the, the numbers behind it and trying to describe the tables, I just don't think that's going to be good podcast, podcast content. Podcast content? There we go. Easy for me to say, podcast content. So I made the ebook available for download for free to anyone who wants it. So here's how that works. We have a podcast email bot named Fred. Fred watches emails sent to me, trg at casinocombat.com. Combat is spelled with a K. And if those emails have certain two-word codes in the subject line, Fred replies automatically with an email that includes a link to download whatever was requested. Honestly, sometimes people get wrong, get it wrong, and I clean that up on the back end. But it's not quite as speedy a reply. So, if you put the two words, slot tactics, in the subject line, Fred sends a link to the slot systems ebook that you can download. If you use the words, get wisdom... He sends a link to download the complete and official Casino Combat Book of Casino Wisdom that lists each wisdom and the episode where that wisdom first appeared. 
And that was compiled by Inner Circle member Keeper of Wisdoms. If you put the two words send chart in the subject, the email that comes back will include a link to download a decision tree that Inner Circle member East Coast Emissary put together for TRG Wagering System 1. Feel free to use any of those resources if they sound helpful to you. Fred will not mind the work at all, I promise. At some point in the past, Melissa obviously has requested a copy of the ebook, and this is the question that she sent me about it this last week. Hi, TRG. I've been enjoying your podcast for the past few months, mostly for the, for the stories. I'm not ready to venture into blackjack yet, but I've played slots for a few few years now. I downloaded your ebook, and I want to try out your second slot strategy, but I'm a little confused about which machines it would work best with. Can you help me out? <laughs> of course, Melissa. It would be my pleasure. And Melissa, you know all this from the reply I sent you, but my wrestling coach used to say that if one person has a question, others probably have the same question, so I'll share things here for the benefit of others. When I'm using TRG slot strategy El Numero Dos, I look for penny slots that say they will pay out the various jackpots for any of the wager amounts. And penny slots have nothing to do with that, folks. It's, just, it's a budgetary bankroll thing for me. If you go find a machine that works for $0.88 cents and it's $8.88 to $88.88 in high limit, the same machine will work. You'll probably do better than I do. It's just you're going to need a lot more money than I'm willing to put at risk on that for where it fits for me in, in my life. Um, but so that's the machines that I'm that I'm looking for. Things that pay out um, uh, jackpots regardless of the amount wagered. Sometimes the higher wager gives you better odds of hitting a jackpot. That's fine. Using, using that strategy, you will be making bets at the largest and the smallest amount. So better odds with bigger bets is just fine. It's actually helpful. The jackpots just need to be possible at the smallest amount bet. Another important thing to look for in a machine is any feature of the machine that changes when the wager amount changes. That almost always means it's not going to work for you. And let me give you an example of one of those and why it doesn't work. I actually tried out a new machine recently. All the basics looked promising. As I started playing, I would often get a gem symbol and an animation would pull that gem symbol up to a collection area and it was counting. There were three different gem colors you could collect, and when you collected enough of a certain color, you would receive a bonus of some kind. Wild symbols, free spins, that kind of thing. The problem with this machine for my system is those gems build up for each wager amount, not across the various wagers. The machine had five wager amounts possible, ranging from 50 cents to $5, and each amount accumulated its own gem pool. So I collected a few gems at the 50 cent level and then needed to move my bet up to $1. And now I have no gems. I'm not, I'm not progressing in that feature. I'm not activating those bonuses. If I switch to the bet of 50 cents, then all my gems were back. It, it just really doesn't work. The bonuses need to be for you, the player, regardless of the amount you bet. So I'm looking for machines where switching bets doesn't change my chances of getting bonuses. Machines where bonuses are based on the number of things collected at a certain wager size don't work. They don't work well for this approach to slot machine play. Let me say it that way. You might very well invent a variation that works, and you better share it with me the same way I shared mine with you. If you figure out something I didn't figure out, I really would like to hear about it. Another aspect of machine selection should be wager intervals since we will be making all of the bets. And by wager intervals, I mean the distance between the smallest bet and the largest bet. There are machines where the smallest bet is 40 cents and the largest machine is $2.40. And those machines work very well. And other machines have a bet range from 
but from 88 cents to $8.88, and those work just fine too. The issue here is bankroll size and the amount of risk you are willing to take. Machines with larger starting and ending bets are going to take a larger bankroll, and your losses will often be larger on those machines as well. So consider bankroll size when selecting machines. If your bankroll is smaller, stick with lower stakes machines. Another aspect that I take into consideration is often only determined through play, and that is this. How often does the machine make small payouts and how big are they? And by small payouts, I mean payouts that are less than what you bet, but they're still payouts. Most of the machines I play pay something almost every spin. Unpaid spins are rare. I find it a lot easier to leave a machine with a win if a losing spin, if a losing 50 cent spin pays 38 cents or 22 cents or something like that, it's much easier to get a profit on that machine as opposed to I spin 50, I lose all, I spin 50, I lose all, I spin 50, I lose all. Different machines do that different ways. The machines that don't pay out much over and over and over again tend to pay out larger bonuses. They tend to pay out higher jackpots, but you're going to struggle with my system if you're not getting something back most of the time, even if it's just a few cents, when you spin something that's less than what you bet. You spin a non-winning spin. Finally, the more bonus features you can activate, the better. And I'm going to give you several examples of machines I use with success in a minute, but let me use one of those machines to explain what I mean by bonus features you can activate. One machine that we have repeated success with is Fortune 88 Diamond. And there are a variety of these, the one with the green and blue tile symbols as the top symbols. And I include that qualification because, as I said, there are a variety of Fortune 88 machines. I haven't tested them all. We've had success with a couple and not much with others. Anyway, this machine can pay out any jackpot on any spin. In addition, each time a certain symbol appears in the middle reel, a coin animation goes up on the screen and into a pot. And at random, that pot fills up and bursts. And you are shown a variety of coins that exploded out of the pot. You pick coins until you pick three of the same coin, and you win a jackpot that matches that coin's symbol. So that's how you get the jackpots on that game. In addition to activating the jackpot feature, this same symbol generates a win multiplier from 1 to 88 times whatever you would have gotten. So even if you don't trigger a jackpot, when you see that symbol, you receive as much as 88 times the result of the spin that you just had. Now, I've never seen it be 88. I only know that because it says so on the screen. I have had a couple in the upper 30s. I've had some 35s and 37s. That's really nice. I mean, you win a dollar and a half, but then you get 37 times the dollar and a half. That gets you to a winning machine pretty quickly and easily. That's what I mean by a feature you can activate, a bonus feature. This machine also has a pink diamond symbol. That's why it's called Fortune 88 Diamond, and that can appear in that middle reel. And if you get that symbol, everything you won on the spin is multiplied by at least 5. But it may be multiplied by 25, or 125, or 500. Again, never seen a 500. Says so on the glass. I did have 125 times once, though. That was really nice. Finally, on this machine, if you get the right three symbols, you are awarded eight free spins. Free spins on which all the other features I just described are not just available, but are generated more often. 
I've had free spins where I won more free spins or won jackpots. I've had plenty where the pink diamond symbol showed up multiple times and multiplied my winning spins. Most of the time, losing machines are machines that didn't hit a bonus or where the bonus feature didn't pay anything or anything significant. I actually had one the other day where I caught two bonuses, but one was $3 doubled and the other was $2 multiplied by four. Not, not very good. Since hitting some decent bonuses usually results in a winning machine, machines with plenty of bonus features are machines you want to look for. Ultimately, it's been a bit of a trial and error for us, but we continue to try new games here and there that look promising to figure out what works and what doesn't. I've already mentioned Fortune 88 Diamond. There's also a Fortune 88 machine that generates jackpots and free spins the same way that Fortune 88 Diamond does, just without the pink diamond multiplier. It works well also. Any of the Wonder Woman machines we've found work well, and they meet all the criteria I've discussed here. Heidi's Beer Garden seems to work well. I've been testing that a lot lately with good results. I find it works better with the more expensive Prost feature enabled. Buffalo Gold works. There are a bunch of variations of the, the Buffalo machines, and I'll be honest here and tell you that I have not explored all of them in detail. There may be others besides Buffalo Gold that work just fine as well. I just don't know. If you test those, you let me know the results, please. I've only seen a machine called Arctic Goddess at the Tropicana in Atlantic City, but they check all the boxes and I've had success with them on both of our visits there. Wheels of Wonder works well. Don't see that machine very often, but Wheels of Wonder works well most of the time. It's a very simple machine, a very old school machine. Uh, the bonus wheels trigger fairly often. It generates payouts, um, payouts less than the amount wagered, often as well, but the amounts can be a little on the low side. I don't see as many Britney Spears machines around as I used to. That probably makes sense, but those machines also work well with my slot approach if you find them. Melissa, I hope that helps and that answer to your question helps others. I'm sure with some experimentation, you will find your own list of machines that work for you that you enjoy. I didn't put this in my initial reply to you when I, when I sent you the email, but let me remind you of Casino Wisdom number seven. Be accountable to someone or something. I record all of my casino transactions as my method of using this Casino Wisdom. When I record slot machine results, I also record the name of the machine I was playing. Since I do that, I have a history of which machines work and which machines do not work, as well as a history of the machine's performances for me over time. Keeping track of your results in a similar fashion should help you find your best machines more quickly. At least I hope so. Mrs. TRG and I did some gambling last week. I'll do a travel segment next and tell you all about it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. In terms of discussing travel last week, please keep in mind that last episode I changed some dates to protect the innocent. <laughs> Actually, probably the guilty. Um, 
Normally, Casino Combat Weeks end on a Saturday, and last episode actually ended on a Tuesday because we're in Atlantic City. So, of course, in a very Casino Combat fashion, on the drive back, Mrs. TRG and I were discussing the trip we'd just taken and the week in front of us. Now, as a little background, we had each received a promotional mailer from Casino One as we were packing for our trip to Atlantic City. It was a mailer that didn't make a lot of sense. My match bet offers were reduced by 66% and my room offers were eliminated. Mrs. TRG's match bet offers went up by 500% and she now had an offer for two free nights each week all month. Our playstyles had not changed during previous visits. I was not gambling less or in smaller amounts and she was not gambling more or in larger amounts. We basically gambled together during previous visits, and my bets are always larger than hers, so it's not like she gambled more than me. There is no play-based reason for this drastic change in offers. And we suspect the pit boss put all our action on her card, or entered our action backwards, so my action is hers, her action is mine. Someone put the wrong data somewhere, but that's water under the bridge at this point. It's just kind of an interesting thing to be exploited. Let's be honest, we're going to try to take advantage of it. So here we are. We're in the car. We're on our way back from Atlantic City. We're talking about our upcoming week in the real world. Mrs. TRG had stuff to get ready to return to teaching. Our middle son, the mad scientist, was going to be home on Friday night and Saturday morning. So a Friday trip is not an option. Mrs. TRG's busy all week. I mentioned that maybe I would just drop in on Casino One on Thursday and then stopped and joked, but I don't have any room comps there. I can't do that. Look, being honest, I suspected if I'd called my host Bubba, or texted him, I usually don't call him, I just text him, but if I had tested, texted Bubba, I suspect he still would have comped me, but we both chuckled at the idea that Mrs. TRG had comped rooms so I couldn't travel without her. Normally, it's the other way around. She suggested that if I was able to take Monday morning off work, she would take me to Casino One for a Saturday and Sunday night trip. She really wanted to use her two free nights. Um, something she really wanted to do. She doesn't get a lot of room comps. So that makes sense, right? Traveling back from a long casino vacation on a Tuesday, let's plan a two-night casino trip for Saturday, Sunday in just a few days. Look, maybe we are a little bit crazy, but for us, it does make sense because we're not paying for any of it. So sure, we're not paying for any of it. Let's go stay at another resort for free for a couple days. Why not? It's almost cheaper than living at home. So that set the structure for the week. Thursday after work, I stopped by my local casino for a gift card, a free bet, and a parking comp. And I've talked recently about the idea of planning so that you can plan around your promotions. I've played locally back to a level where I get the free gift cards on Thursday, something that used to be automatic for me pre-pandemic. Now, these gift cards can be as little as $5 or as much as $100. Maybe more. I've never heard of anybody getting more than $100, but what do I know? Since I get one every Thursday the entire month of August, I wanted to stop early in the month to see if my amount was worth worrying about the rest of the month. I needed to go down, find out how much they were giving me. At $50 or $100, I'd make a point of stopping every Thursday. That just seems logical to me, at least. My gift card was $10. No complaint, but I'm also not going to make sure I get every gift card this month. I'm not going to plan my Thursdays all month around $10. Just not going to do it. Not going to happen. I played a little blackjack to make use of my free bet and left with a small win. Not even enough to reduce down to a day's pay. Just small amount of money. Friday, my middle son was in town and my local casino was giving away an electric toothbrush to all third tier guests. That's me. So the mad scientist and I went down to pick up the gift, have a couple drinks, 
and do just a little father-son gambling. And it was just a little because sadly we took quick losses at both blackjack and craps. Did not go well. It was a real GLL. Gambled, lost, left. And on the drive home, uh, I have a customer, as I've discussed, near an MGM slot parlor about 45 minutes uh, east of my house. And they called with a, a minor matter they needed addressed. And they were real good about it. They were like, hey, it's no hurry. We know it's Friday afternoon. If you want to just you know wait and deal with it Monday, that's fine. We don't mind waiting until Monday. But I was planning a vacation day on Monday. So I just decided to ha- I have keys to their building. So I decided to head over, handle their request, and get it off my to-do list rather than try to force it into Monday afternoon when I was back in town. But you know what the heck, right? It's Friday now, right around dinner time. Casino Wisdom number 81 teaches us ABC, always be casinoing. I needed gas. And with an MGM player's card, if I went just a few minutes down the road, I'd get a discount at the MGM casino gas station. So I stopped for gas and then figured while I was there, I'd play a slot machine using TRG Wedging System El Numero Dos because my free play offers have kind of disappeared at this casino recently. Why not start them back up? The greatest of great things, right? Just going to go in and going to play one machine. I played 10 or 15 minutes, got a few points and hit a major jackpot that was almost three days pay, which more than made up for the small amount we had lost earlier in the day at my local casino. Uh, On Saturday... Our son headed, headed for his house, and Mrs. TRG and I headed for Casino One, two hours south and east of our home on Saturday afternoon. Our trip timing was perfect. In addition to the two comp hotel nights, Mrs. TRG received a nice match bet and some free slot play on Saturday, and I received a minor match bet. Then on Sunday, we received the same match bets again because it was the start of a new week. Mrs. TRG spent some time at the pool. I spent some time at the craps table. We had some dinner. We gambled together Sunday night. And I'm not going to bore you with every table and every machine. It was a great way to spend a couple days. We finished the trip having lost and spent. Keep in mind, we bought meals. We didn't get comped everything. We had to buy some drinks. We lost and spent about a day's pay. Total everything for the week. And on a slow podcast week, basically, not a lot going on. We're just back from vacation. I gambled parts of four days in three different casinos. And as a team, we finished with a profit after expenses of one and a half days pay. And we received almost two days pay in comps and gifts. A very solid casino combat week, in my opinion. The equivalent of three days pay of benefits, three and a half days pay of benefits, one and a half of those days of benefits in cash money, which went in the bank and the vault. One quick observation from Saturday night before we wrap up this segment. As we were going to dinner, a group of three people were coming out of the sports bar as we were going in. An older man in the group had been enjoying a bit too many adult beverages, it appeared. He looked a bit wobbly and eventually fell down near a wall behind a set of poles and ropes moved out of the entrance when the bar opened. The people with him were trying to help him up, but the combination of three drunk people, a wall, ropes, poles, and slippery marble floors was more than they could handle. It was a little above them to get it all untangled. And because of where everyone was positioned, because of where the wall was, there was no easy way logistically for Mrs. TRG and I to be helpful. We couldn't really get ourselves in in a position where we could help try to get this man up off the ground. So my next thought, just in the moment, boom, 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 was casino wisdom number six. When there's a problem, remain calm and find a casino solution. 
And that's exactly what I did. I thought of a casino solution. Often some casino security members double as EMTs and having some, and they have some training in that area. There were two security guard members manning the entrance to the casino about 20 yards away in this big foyer, checking the ages of people entering the casino. So I kind of fired up the TRG voice and said fairly loudly, security man down and pointed to the efforts to get the drunk man out of the ropes and poles and back on his feet. One of the security guards was quickly on his way over and making a call on his radio. Another security guard appeared very quickly with an EMT bag. They took charge of the situation, got the man on his feet, and moved over to a chair so that they could evaluate him for injuries. This was a solid casino solution to a casino problem. The alternative would have been for an almost 60-year-old TRG who had pre-gamed a bit in the hotel room before gambling and having some drinks and getting ready to have some dinner, much better than that guy, who's me, trying to help get this man up while standing on a marble floor in western boots with flat leather soles. Maybe I'd have contributed. Maybe I'd have helped the man out of the ropes and poles. But I suspect there's a good chance I'd have ended up as the second man in the ropes and poles. This was a good casino solution. All right, if everybody's ready, I'm pretty sure the virtual VIP lounge is open. Let's go do that next. A little bit of the bubbly. Welcome to the Casino Combat Virtual VIP Lounge. Unlike most bars, we keep our best virtual bottles on the bottom shelf so we can reach them easily. And of course, we have both handcrafted soda and locally bottled artisanal pop. Help yourself to something you like. We have virtually everything, virtually all the time. I think I'm going to go with a locally bottled root beer today. Often, our virtual VIP lounge stories are intended to be entertaining or funny. At least I hope that they're going to be entertaining or funny. This week, I was reminded of a story I often and tell in VIP lounges that is a bit ironic and entertaining at the end, but in long form, told the long way, and I don't tell stories shortly very often, I think it's informative and educational. And I wanted to share with you today the story of the first serious card counting trip I ever made. I had learned counting cards before I was old enough to gamble as a college computer coding assignment, and I had dabbled with it from time to time as an adult when we were on vacation. But gambling was only legal in a couple of places in the United States, and none of them were particularly convenient to me at the time. So I didn't get to use my skills very often. Obviously, this was decades ago. There are now almost a thousand casinos operating in the United States. Plenty of opportunities to gamble without traveling to Las Vegas or Atlantic City. This many decades ago, Mrs. TRG and I took an anniversary trip to Las Vegas. It was vacation with some gambling, more than it was a gambling trip. We had a good time. We did shows and food and aquariums and all the, the, the other things Las Vegas has to offer. It was a wonderful anniversary. It was a wonderful vacation. But nothing was calm, and I didn't come close to winning enough to cover our expenses. Certainly not the level I was gambling. And I wasn't gambling enough to get comped, and I wasn't really... I had rewards cards, but when you're in Las Vegas once a year at the level I was gambling, at that $10 level, even then, you weren't getting a lot of comps, and I'm not even sure I knew how to ask for comps at that point. As I was thinking about things, thinking about things in the plane on the way back, I was convinced that the problem was the expenses. Which, looking back, was true, but I feel now like I tried to solve the problem the wrong way. But as I said, I was convinced that if I kept the expenses low, 
I could car count my way to an after expenses profit with a bankroll that we could afford to lose. So I pitched the idea to my wife on the plane ride home and again when we got home. And the idea was this, in a month or so, I'd take a solo trip on a weekend when she had plans that were not gonna logically include me. She was gonna be somewhere and I was gonna be somewhere else, so why not make that somewhere else Las Vegas and see if I could do this. See if I could actually cover all my expenses and make a profit. I'd leave Thursday, I'd come home Sunday, and eventually she agreed. She had a condition that I'll tell you about in a minute, but she agreed and I started planning and really practicing counting to be sure I had things down. Really, really focusing on it, really, really working on it. I found inexpensive flights by being willing to take a red-eye flight home and to go from the plane directly to work on Monday morning. I found a cheap rental car because I was going to be staying off-strip in an inexpensive motel. This trip wasn't about comfort or entertainment. It was about getting to and from gambling as cheaply as possible and proving that I could finish a trip to Las Vegas with a profit. Look, at the time, I'm six foot tall, 220 pounds. I was not super comfortable in the cheap subcompact that I rent. And as you probably expect, the motel room was less than great. It had a noisy AC unit, a very small bathroom, and paper-thin walls. And the carpeting in the hallway is pretty gross. Not a place I would have taken Mrs. TRG, but I told myself it was fine for me. That's It was fine for me just by myself. It was, it was going to be okay. I counted cards and gambled for hours and hours, you know, every day, Friday and Saturday, usually driving to low-end casinos, either either on the strip like the Sahara or off strip like the Orleans so that I could find low minimum games that I could afford. I only used cash in the casinos, never a credit card. I never took a player's card or got raided. I made sure I didn't give them my real name. I did all that card counter stuff. I didn't gamble the same place and on the same shift ever. I didn't go to the Sahara in the morning on Friday and go back there in the morning on Saturday. I didn't want them seeing me. I didn't want them seeing a pattern. I kept the food and drinks to the free casino drinks and the free casino water, donuts and hot dogs and chips, all of which could still be found cheaply in Las Vegas at the time. I parked the rental car in free parking at the casinos and walked the extra distance to the casino to avoid paying the tips that went along with using valet parking. On Sunday before I checked out of the motel, with time to gamble for the rest of the day in front of me, I added up all my costs to that point. The airfare, the hotel, the car rental, the food based on the receipts that I had kept for the food, uh, the tips from some notes I'd kept. Honestly, in hindsight, an early form of casino wisdom number seven, I was being accountable. I wrote that amount down. I wrote that amount of expenses down. I stuck it to my wallet and I gambled some more during the day. As I said, Mrs. TRG had given me one condition for making the trip without her. During our vacation, we had spent some time at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino off the Strip. She had looked at and not purchased a sweatshirt, and in hindsight, she regretted not buying it. Her condition was that if I won money, I would stop and buy her that sweatshirt on the way home. Obviously, I really wanted to prove my skills to her. I wanted to prove to her that trips to Las Vegas could be profitable on a regular basis. So with plenty of time to put gas in the car and stop at the Hard Rock on my way to the airport to buy her the gift she wanted, I went to the rental car and counted up the money to determine my results for the trip. I had profits after expenses. I had profits after expenses. I had done it. I had accomplished my goal. I was a professional gambler. I had just gone to Las Vegas and won enough money to cover my expenses and have a profit. I was a professional gambler. I really couldn't believe it in some ways. Stopped and put gas in the car with my winnings to keep the expenses down when I returned the car. I went to the Hard Rock. I parked in the free parking, walked past the pool complex, 
Plex into the hotel and to the gift shop. I had done it. I had won the money to buy my wife something she wanted, something that she hadn't purchased when we were there together because it was a little more expensive than just a normal sweatshirt back home. I had won the money to buy that $60 sweatshirt. And that's all I'd won, everybody. That was it. Enough to buy a $60 sweatshirt. I probably made around $3 an hour on gambling, not counting the roughly 12 hours of travel time to get true to and from Las Vegas. That's what being a professional card counter had gotten me. $3 an hour. I was a professional gambler, all right. I was. In every sense of the word, I was a professional gambler. But it wasn't fun. It wasn't glamorous. It was work under less than ideal circumstances. Now, this wasn't the last time that I tried things like this in my journey to figuring out how to benefit from hanging out in casinos. I was convinced that if I had done it once, I could do it again and do it better. And I did, and I can. If you've listened to episodes 26, 27, and 28, you've kind of heard, I don't want to say the end of this story, but you've heard the continuation of this story. You've heard the, the, the other end of that multi-decade journey from that moment of just winning enough to buy a sweatshirt. I told you in episode 27, and I think it was 27. If I got that wrong, I apologize. I'm pretty sure it was 27. I told you specifically why I don't count cards. Think of this as a prequel to those 26, 27, and 28 episodes. In those episodes, what started as Vegas on the cheap in this episode, in this story, has become Vegas being exploited at their request using their rules and programs to stay in nice rooms and eat in nice restaurants while leaving with a nice profit and a nice hourly rate after expenses. A profit many times the $60 I won on my first card counting trip. If you are new or relatively new to the podcast and you want to hear about what this effort morphed into several decades later, you can hear a modern version of me doing this same trip, but doing it very much differently in episodes 26, 27, and 28. If you're playing the casino chip game, there are an easy eight in this episode. Please tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers. Don't tip away your wins. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. It's time for leaving, and I hope you understand I was born a rambling man. Love it, hate it. It don't matter. Just share it with your family and friends. Goodbye, everybody.